0: Dr. Varner was at one point a pastor in Pennsylvania and he's been teaching Old Testament and biblical languages, more Greek than Hebrew though, right, Dr. V? Uh, more Greek than Hebrew at the Masters University since 1996. He's been a teacher uh, for a fellowship group at Grace Community Church um, since 1998 and he's authored more than a dozen books including a book on the Incarnation, which I have. He has a book on the Passion Week most recently, which I don't have, and then a uh, he has two commentaries on James a discourse analysis and then another commentary on the Greek text which I used heavily when I preached through James at Crossview Church and I've been saving James for a, a tight season in my life here when, because I'm familiar with that book thanks a lot to Dr. Varner's commentary for a tight season in my life where I, I will be preaching James here um, he has two grown children and one with the Lord who I was a class, whom I was a classmate with and had the privilege of knowing in Greek class uh, our sister Linda as well as four gra- grandchildren. Dr. Varner was or has been, is the most impactful professor in my seven years at the master's university and seminary. So I've been there for seven years, three at the college, four at the seminary and easily Dr. Varner has been the most impactful uh, professor. I mean, so much to the point that when I was in seminary classes in Greek, I was bored because of um, what, the way Dr. Varner taught us Greek in the college, um, I don't know if I, if that's on the recording, but anyways, okay. Uh, wh- why was Dr. Varner impactful in my life? Um, there are Old Testament lectures I can remember where he would swing an ax or jump on the table and shout at us. Uh, he preached on Genesis 25 or he was teaching through Genesis 25 and he, he dispelled from my life forever allegorical interpretation. As he talked about um, Abraham and Isaac and El- uh, the servant uh, reaching for a bride and uh, the Trinity. And I was like, yes, the Trinity. And then he just smashed it in front of all of us and I uh, was a first 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 semester in college and never again would i do allegorical interpretation thanks to dr varner uh he taught us he taught me how to use greek for pastoral ministry by intense classes with a high demand and expectation i have here my discourse analysis on the epistle to ephesians from 2001 where dr varner made us do um, a discourse analysis the hardest thing i've ever done in college or seminary uh, for my MDiv and just a great privilege. If you've if you benefit at all in any way through my life and ministry of the word, it's in large measure through Dr. Varner's teaching. So he has an impact on all of you, uh, church family through that. He's perso- he personally trembles and humbly teaches God's word. Um, and so I'm just so grateful for his life, his ministry. And um, I'm just so excited that he could actually directly impact you because he's indirectly been a- impacting you through my life for all these years. So let's welcome Dr. Varner.
1: I have never had an introduction like that. Thank you. So you're 72 years old. you're almost as old as I am, (laughs) 72 years old, yes, um, but the thing is, you're not as old as I am, but you'll never catch me, unless I, no, no, I don't want to go there, yeah, yeah, Uh, but anyway, uh, thank you for uh, allowing me to be here on this anniversary Sunday, And it means a lot to me. And again, I'm without words uh, for that gracious, gracious introduction. I'm now going to not tell you all the crazy, ridiculous stories about the Reverend Tobian when he was an undergraduate. Now he's just destroyed. No, no. I was not going to say anything like that anyway about the Reverend Tobian. Known, I understand, simply as PJ here. Okay, thank you, brother. Um, Who is your hero in the Bible? Uh, Sometimes we get together, and I hear a lot of preachers say, my hero is the Apostle Paul, and that's fine. And others say... (laughs) I'm more like Peter, uh, open mouth, insert foot, Peter. Uh, So uh, Peter's my hero. Well, uh, I've spent a lot of time with James, and um, I could call him my hero. But I want to be very, very honest with you. I want to preach to you today on my Bible hero. Now, his nickname is Barnabas. We know him by that way. But that is his nickname. His name was Jonathan. Uh, was Joseph? All right. Any Josephs here? Joe? Anybody? Uh, I, I see one or two Josephs. Any Barnabases here? Any Barnabases? Barney? Uh, you know? Uh, okay. Well, Barnabas was his nickname. Wasn't his given name? His given name was Joseph. My given name is William. My nickname, uh, depending on what stage of life I was in, once I was Billy, then I was Bill, then I became Willie, and now I am Will. And that's the truth. That is the truth. I didn't just make that up. Uh, But uh, my given name is William. Well, this fellow, who is my hero, uh, his given name was Joseph. Turn to Acts chapter 4, as we look at Mr. Encourager or Barnabas. That was his nickname, but that's what he's known by because that's what he was, an encourager. He's my hero. If I want to be like somebody, yes, I would like to be like the Apostle Paul. Yes, I would like to be like the Apostle Peter but I really would like to be like Barnabas, an encourager. Now, let me uh, just introduce Barnabas but by his nickname, in, uh, encouragement, and that's what it means, by comparing this to something that's very famous. I don't know if you've read it. It's called Pilgrim's Progress. Many years ago, we were told that if, if there were two books Beside the bedside of a Christian family. It would be a King James Bible and it would be Pilgrim's Progress. Maybe you've not read it, but Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory. There are allegories, just don't allegorize the Bible. Uh, It is an allegory where people have names that represent them. Like Pilgrim is Christian. Other people in the story are named evangelists. That's the one who gives the gospel to Pilgrim. There's uh, good names and bad names. Some of the bad guys that Pilgrim had with him was obstinate. Can you imagine what he was like? Pliable, that was another person. Help was another name uh, who helped him out of the Slough of Despond. Formalist a very formal guy who didn't really know the Lord. But then there was talkative, and wow, you don't need to even uh, explain that fellow. And then there was Faithful, who actually died for his faith. He was faithful unto death. Then there was Hopeful, who took the place of Faithful and stayed with Pilgrim until they crossed the river to the heavenly city. If you've never read it, even though it's got 17th century English in it, you need to read sometime in your lifetime Pilgrim's Progress and meet these people who are known by their character. All right? Now, I want to improve on John Bunyan a bit. I want to introduce another character into Pilgrim's Progress, and I call him Encouragement. That's. how important he is to me. Now, the thing is with Barnabas, that's his nickname, we'll talk about that in a minute, is that people don't know him as well. And the reason is, unlike Peter, who's got 12 chapters of the book of Acts given to him, unlike Paul, who's got Acts 13 through 28 given to him, and a long account of, of of these fellows, uh, 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 Barnabas pops in and pops out of the narrative. Unlike Peter for 12 chapters and Paul for 16 chapters, Joseph or Barnabas or encouragement, whatever you're going to call him, just pops onto the scene, says something, and does something, and then he, he disappears. And then he comes back on the scene. He's sort of like Alfred Hitchcock in one of his movies. And I'm dating myself there, aren't I? Uh, Alfred Hitchcock uh, does a cameo scene. There's a bunch of people on the elevator. And the elevator doors open and out walks this short, ball-headed guy. Yeah, right. Uh, This short, ball-headed guy and doesn't say anything and walks away. And if you weren't looking for him, you wouldn't know. That's Alfred Hitchcock. Some people are playing cards uh, on a train, and one of them is that ball-headed guy. That's Alfred Hitchcock. But he just appears, and then he disappears. That's Barnabas. Five times he makes a cameo appearance in the book of Acts. I normally preach on one passage. There's enough in one passage to, uh, to uh, uh, fill up the two hours which I will be speaking The uh, time that I'll be speaking today. Uh, No. Uh, 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 But uh, you can't do that with Barney. You can't. You've got to look at all five. And there's something that unites all five of these appearances. Wherever you see this man come on the scene, he encourages somebody else. Turn to the first snapshot in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, this is the dynamic situation of the early church. They're growing, uh, and they're growing so fast. They're outgrowing their food. There are, are, are poor people, and and uh, uh, they need to share with one another. And who comes on the scene but a fellow named Joseph who has a nickname Barnabas? Acts 4 and verse 4. Uh, 36. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, see, that's his nickname, which is translated as son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. We don't have time to keep reading, but that is contrasted with Ananias and Sapphira who don't give what they were supposed to give uh, at at the beginning of Acts chapter 5. Contrasted with them is Joseph. He's a Levite. He has to serve in the temple, but he can own land, and he owns land on an island off of the land of Israel called Cyprus. He says, people have a greater need than me owning land. He sold the land, and with that money, he laid it at the apostles' feet to help other people, to encourage other people. He saw that it was more important that this land, which was just sitting there and helping no one. So he sold it, and with that money, he says, I want To share what I have with others. So the first time we see Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, is that he encourages the poor members of the early Jerusalem church by sacrificing what he has to help them. And right away we're introduced to the encourager. Mr. Encouragement or encouragement. He encourages others. What an example of giving. If we are going to encourage someone, look around for somebody who has a need and do what you can to help them. If so, you're being a Barnabas, and you're being that character in my own Pilgrim's Progress named encouragement. Wow. Is he going to uh, uh, be that way throughout? We look at the second time in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. He disappears off the scene. But in Acts 9, he walks back on the stage again. And this time, we are introduced to another character. He's called Saul. He will later be called Paul. But at this time, he goes by his Hebrew name, Saul. And something has amazingly happened in Acts 9. Saul, this persecutor, whose name struck fear in the early Christians' hearts, this Saul has come to faith in Christ, being struck down on the Damascus Road and being blinded for a while. This Saul comes to follow the Jesus whom he despised. As a matter of fact, When Jesus appears to Saul, he says, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. And Saul becomes a believer. His life is turned around. But remember what he was known for. He was known for being a persecutor. He was known for finding Jesus' believers and taking them before the Sanhedrin court and casting his vote to condemn them to death. This man was not just a bad dude. He was a killer. And he has come to faith in Christ. They remember him in Jerusalem. And you must understand that to understand the following. Saul spends some time in Arabia consolidating his own faith. He comes back to Damascus, and then he makes his way down to where? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, where he used to do his dirty work, where he used to grab Christians and take them before the Sanhedrin. And now Saul is one of those Christians, and he wants to join himself to the believers in Jerusalem. Don't be too hard on them when they're a bit skeptical. Turn to Acts chapter 9. And I want you to look at verse 26. Acts 9, verse 26. When he, that is Saul, arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. (laughs) You would think that they would say, oh, Saul's been converted. Let's open our arms to him. But you know what? They were being a little careful. I used to talk about this and i referred to a man named edi amin but i'm dating myself when i do that today edi amin was uh, a leader uh, in uh, uganda and he was known for his rabid Islam and his persecution of Christians. And I used to say to people, now, what if you heard that Edi Amin got converted and he knocks on your door on the church and says, brothers, I want to worship with you. Wouldn't you sort of say, well, let's just take our time here. Let's take our time and make sure of this. So here's the chief Hater of the Christians. The one who had voted for their deaths knocks on the door of an assembly and says, Brothers, can I join and worship with you? Do you understand why they might be a little hesitant? Why? Because he might be a plant. He might just be one who is sent by the Sanhedrin to come in and quote, worship with us and report on us to the authorities. So they're a little hesitant. As a matter of fact, they're a lot hesitant before they get to know him. In walks on the stage, Barnabas. What does he do? Acts chapter 9, uh, and uh, I'm sorry, Acts chapter 9, verse 26. Whoops. Oh. The wind blew the Bible. Okay, good. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him since they did not believe he was a disciple. Barnabas, Mr. Encourager, however, took him. The Greek is very strong here for the word took. Uh, 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 PJ, uh, the word here, epilombano, means He grabbed his hand, he grabbed his hand, and he takes Saul, and he brings him to the apostles. He's he's standing with Saul. Saul, come on, I'll bring you in, bro. And he brings him in to the apostles. Apostles, and he explains to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him, and how in uh, Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Saul needed an encouragement, and the brothers needed an encouragement as well. He says, I can vouch for this guy. This guy is real. Yes, he's, he's Saul, but he's not the same Saul who put your brothers in prison and voted for them to be executed. He's real, guys. He's had a real conversion. And I want to introduce you to him. He encouraged the, apostle, the one who would be called the Apostle Paul. He encouraged him. Public enemy number one needs an encourager. And Barnabas was there for him. And he also encouraged the church to believe him. And they did. He went and got Paul. He led him. I call Barnabas Paul's handler. My handler this morning is John. He met my wife and I as we got out of the car. He's my handler. He showed me here. He's the one who got those cushioned chairs for Mrs. V and me, okay? Uh, You're not envious, I hope, of those cushioned chairs. If If you are, don't blame me, blame John, okay? He's my handler. He's our handler. I think he said, oh, an elderly couple. Okay, I'll get padded chairs for them. He encouraged me. He's my handler. Barnabas was Saul's handler. (laughs) And we're going to see it's going to continue. This is not the last time that he takes Saul and leads him somewhere. Okay, keep that in mind. So he leads Saul in. And he says, guys, he's for real, and they accepted him. And he walks off the stage, and he disappears for a couple of chapters. And then he pops up again. Turn over to the third uh, appearance of Barnabas in Acts chapter 11. I'm almost ready to ask John to come up here and hold my notes down, and my Bible right there, so, you you know, uh, that, no, no, John, really, really, uh, uh, oh, look, my handler, look at that, look at that, good, good, wow, yeah, my handler, okay, good, thank you, Barney, appreciate that, my encouragement. There we go. Okay, now, good. Acts uh, chapter uh, 11. Acts chapter 11. Now, here's what's happened. The gospel has gone north. It has gone from Jerusalem up to north into what we call today Syria. And in a town there that's still there, Antioch of Syria. And in that place, these Jewish evangelists, unnamed evangelists, go all the way up to Antioch and they're preaching to the Greeks, the non-Jews. And oh boy, there goes the church, there goes the church. The Gentiles start to get saved, you know. I remember when our church integrated in the South. Uh, I grew up in the South and I wasn't saved till my 11th year in high school. And, uh, you know, uh, and we knew that there were black folks out there, but you didn't come in the same church with each other, okay? I remember when some of them started to uh, show up in church, you would think that we would open them or welcome them with open arms. And there were some that said, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. There goes the church, Sad, sad, sad. Ethnic uh, 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 hatred like that. The gospel says there's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no rich, there's no poor. Uh, You know, we're one in Christ Jesus. And I see that all of you are of one race as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, so, So that's what the church ought to be. And so here the Jewish believers are seeing these Gentiles come in. And they're being saved. And, uh, and, they, and, and uh, word of this, mixed congregations in Antioch come to the apostles in Jerusalem and they say, we've got to send the right guy up there. We've got to send the right guy up there. Who is it? And they look and they find Joseph, nicknamed Barnabas, the son of encouragement, and they send Barnabas. You know what? They sent the right guy. Turn to Acts chapter 11. I'll read verse 19. Now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to none but the Jews. But now here comes the surprise. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch, and began speaking to the Greeks. Oh boy, there goes the church. Also proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. So the news about this mixed congregation, which was something new, came to the apostles in Jerusalem, and they said, this could be an explosion. This could be the greatest Uh, 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 challenge that the church has ever faced we've got to send the right man up there and they looked around and they found encouragement Mr. Encourager verse 22 they sent Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch they sent encouragement and there he was The right guy the right guy when he arrived and saw the grace of God now watch the words here he was glad and encouraged all of them you see the word there see the verb here's mr. encouragement encouraging all of them to remain true to the Lord With devoted hearts. Don't worry if one is circumcised and one is not circumcised. Don't worry if one is this color and the other one is this color. Jesus came for all of us. And I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, from different ethnic divisions, to remain true to the Lord. I want to encourage you. And he did. With devoted hearts. Now watch, here's the biographical description of Mr. Encouragement. Verse 24, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Oh, Lord, that's what I want to be. I want to be a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Why was Barnabas able to encourage others? Because that is what characterized him, a good man. Full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. God used Mr. Encouragement. And large numbers of people were added to the Lord. They chose the right man to go up there. And, he, and then he said this. And this is what I love also about. I, it, what is there not to love about this guy? You know? Now watch it. As things are growing and Gentiles are being saved and the ethnicity of the congregation is obvious, Barnabas says what? I can't do it all myself. I need help. Oh, yeah. I remember. You know, Saul has been away for a decade. Back in Tarsus. I think he's the right guy to stand alongside of me and encourage these folks to build on the unity that they have in the Messiah. Where is he? And he goes all the way over to Tarsus about a three-day walk. And he goes into Tarsus and he searches for Saul, now watch it, when he found him. He brought him to Antioch. P.J., same Greek word. Barnabas took Saul by the hand and brought him to the apostles in Acts uh, 9. Now he takes Paul by the hand, still called Saul, and he brings him to Antioch. Same words. That's why I call Barnabas Paul's handler. (laughs) He's Paul's handler. Paul, we need you. Come on. Come on, bro. Come on. Come on. And he leads him by the hand and brings him to Antioch. And Saul's public ministry starts to take off. Now, Barnabas is an encourager. He encourages the congregation to find the right spiritual leadership. And you know what? He encourages Saul. You see, Saul started off in Jerusalem. <laughs> we didn't have time to look into it, but Saul was preaching and he was getting opposition, and they finally put him on a boat and sent him back to Antioch, uh, excuse me, to Tarsus, to mature a little bit, and he did. Now he's ready. He's ready. And for a whole year, they met with the church and they taught large numbers. Wow, what a congregation. To have these two leaders, Barnabas and Saul, as co-pastors of them for a year. And this is where they were first called Christians. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Up to that time, they were called people of the way. They were called uh, uh, those who were following Jesus, followed the name but they had not been called Christians. The word Christ is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah. So if they were Christians, they were messianists. I guess you would call them that. Followers of the Messiah. Followers of the Christ. But they didn't speak Hebrew in Antioch. They spoke Greek. And so a Messiah was Christos, anointed one. And uh, followers of the Messiah were Christianoi, Christians. They were followers of the Messiah, and they were called Christians first in Antioch. So the name that we often go by, Christian, had its birth here in Antioch in the Greek language. Followers of the Christos. Followers of the Messiah. Followers of the Anointed One. And that name has come down to us today. It only appears three times in the New Testament. And it seems to be a name that was given to them by outsiders. Because all three times it's used by non-Christians. They were called by their neighbors Christians because they were always speaking about Christ. They were called messianists, messiahists, I guess, because they were always speaking about the anointed one, the Messiah. And that name is the name that has come down with us today. So what does Barnabas do again? He encourages the congregation. He shows himself that he's not number one. He shows himself that he needs help, Uh, uh, you know, The guy who thinks that he's got it all together and doesn't need help is the guy who needs help. And Barnabas recognized that the sun did not rise and set on me, that I am just one man, servant of the Lord in this great task, and I can share this with others. So in humility, he shares the ministry with the one who came to be called the Apostle Paul. Still called Saul now. And he comes and they labor together. Laborers together in the uh, field. Laborers together in the harvest. That's Barnabas. That's Mr. Encouragement. Well, you ready for part four? If you're not ready, I'm still going ahead. Okay, good. Uh, The fourth appearance of Joseph. Barnabas, encouragement, is in that same church, Acts 13.1. Turn over. Two chapters, Acts 13.1. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. There's six of them here if I counted correctly. Barnabas, number one, Simeon, Lucius, Manan, and Saul. One, two, three, four, five, six. Notice number one, Barnabas. Notice the last one, Saul, okay? Now, as they're ministering in this team ministry here in Antioch, prophets and teachers, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas, number one, and Saul, number six, for the work to which I have called them." They didn't know exactly what, what that work was at this time, but it looked like their ministry was done uh, in Antioch. They could leave the care of the growing congregation to Simeon, who was probably a black man called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, so forth. We'll leave it with them, and we will divide and conquer. But it was the Holy Spirit that said, Separate me Saul and Barnabas. But notice the order, it's Barnabas and Saul. Then after they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them off. I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess that Barnabas and Saul were probably the best teachers in the congregation. Now why am I saying that? You know, if you can't make it here, you can be a missionary. You know, if you don't have pastoral gifts, there's always you can be a missionary. I hope you see in the back there the smirk on my face when I say that. You know, you, know, you don't have strong leadership gifts. You can be a missionary. No, it looks like the best were chosen by the Holy Spirit to be missionaries, okay? Barnabas and Saul, and they commit them to the Lord and they go off as the first foreign missionaries sent off by a church. There they go, Barnabas and Saul. Uh, yeah, good. Uh, uh, is this for my protection? Yeah, good. It's the first time I've preached under a canopy. A Jewish couple gets married under a canopy, and I'm preaching under a canopy. No. Okay, good, good. Maybe when it falls, that's a sign from the Lord to stop. Okay, good, all right, good. All right, so uh, so he sends them off. But it's Barnabas and Saul. It's Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul. Bar- Notice the order. Barnabas is numero uno, and uh, Saul is numero, numero, what is it, secundo, Uh, Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, good. Uh, 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 Acts 13. Look, please. They go down to uh, uh, Cyprus. That's Barnabas' home island. They minister there. But notice there's a change. Saul is influential in leading this Roman centurion, uh, a proconsul, to the Lord. And when they leave Cyprus, they've got John Mark with them. Verse 13. Paul and his companions. It switches. Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul. But when they leave Cyprus and head into what we call today Turkey, it's Paul and his companions. It's no longer uh, uh, Barnabas and Saul. From here on, it's Paul and Barnabas. They land. They go up to uh, uh, another uh, Antioch. And who preaches? It's, it's Paul. Verse uh, 43, after the synagogue had been dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed, notice the order, Paul and Barnabas. You've, you've got to notice it. See, it's Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul. And then once they get uh, to Turkey, it's Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. The leadership of the two switches to Paul very quietly, very quietly. And you know what? Barnabas didn't say, oh no, I'm numero uno. No, he didn't. Barnabas gladly accepted being the number two guy and letting Paul be the primary speaker. So it's Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas encourages the church in foreign missions. Barnabas volunteers To follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And Barnabas and Saul leave it all behind. What an encouragement to the church to have them sent off. And what an encouragement to Paul for Barnabas to step back. Step back and say, Paul, it's been me and you. From now on, it's you and me. What an encourager. That's one of the reasons why Barnabas is my uh, hero. He deliberately takes second place. And if you go all the way through Acts 13, you'll see the shift. Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas. With no objection from Barnabas. An encourager. Paul, go ahead. You take the lead. Well, we're going to have to skip over a lot. Paul and Barnabas come back. They report in Jerusalem. They have the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 where they testify that God has saved these Gentiles without making them Jews first. Okay? You'll explain this to the kids afterwards. But uh, there's an operation uh, uh, that every young Jewish male goes through. It's called circumcision. And if a Gentile wanted to join the family of Israel, uh, a uh, Gentile man had to be circumcised. It was, the, it was the key to get in, to become Jewish. And there were some that were saying, these Gentiles need to be circumcised. And the Jerusalem council with also Jaime, Jaime, James, uh, 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 taking the lead, said, No, they don't have to become Jews first. God has given them the Spirit of God. These Gentiles are saved. They don't have to become circumcised to join the family of God. And that's Acts 15. And Paul and Barnabas and Peter uh, are all involved with that. And James finally gives the decision. And off go Paul and Barnabas back to Antioch. And now let's see the last time that Barnabas comes on the stage. If everything up to now was beautiful, here's the one time that Barnabas comes on the stage and there's a bit of ugliness. You know, I oftentimes say, and I believe the Bible is true for a number of reasons. And one of the reasons I believe the Bible is true is that it includes the bad things about the saints as well as the good things. See, if I had written the Bible, I would have made everybody good who who were followers of the Lord. I wouldn't mention David's sin. I wouldn't mention Solomon's, yeah. I wouldn't mention that. I wouldn't mention Peter's failures. And I wouldn't have mentioned this. And if I had left that out, we would be the poorer in reading the Bible. The Bible is true for a number of reasons. But one of the reasons is that the Bible includes the failures of the saints as well as their victories. Because that's where we are. Sometimes we fail. So the last time we see Barney... The last time we see Barnabas, the last time we see Mr. Encouragement, it's in conflict with his best bud, Paul. Let's look at it. Acts chapter 15, verse 36. The last time Barnabas comes on the stage. After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we've preached the word of the Lord to see how they're doing, follow-up work. All right. Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark. See, You see, John Mark had been with them in the first missionary journey, but before they got to Turkey, John Mark went home. Some think he went home to Mama. I don't know, in, in Jerusalem. But he went home. He left. All right, Barnabas says, let's take John Mark with us on this second missionary journey. And Paul says, nothing doing. Look at it. Verse 38. But Paul insisted that they should not take along this man. Now notice the strong words. Who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. Deserted them. Luke, I think, is sympathizing with Paul here. I I think he is. Paul said, he's a quitter, Barney. He's a quitter. We can't take him. He's shown that he went home to mama when things got tough. Barnabas says, come on. Let's give him another chance. They had such a sharp, disagreement you ever heard the word paroxysm paroxysm is a real you get so excited you blow up it's a paroxysm that's the Greek word there arose such a paroxysm a disagreement a violent argument between them that they parted company they parted company Paul and Barnabas numero uno and numero whatever it is secundo let's make it that way number one and number two they split why did this have to happen couldn't we just say well they prayed together and they slapped each other on the back and said Barnabas, you go with Mark and I'll go with. Luke says, there was a violent disagreement. We can't take him. Barnabas, he's a quitter. Barnabas says, come on, he failed, but let's give him a second chance. They parted company. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord. Barnabas and John Mark head back to Cyprus and parts unknown. We're not told where else they go. Paul and Silas head back through Turkey on the second missionary follow-up journey. And Luke follows Paul from then on, Paul and Silas. Who was right? Let's take a vote. No, I'm not going to have a vote. All who think, you don't have to raise your hand, but we could take a vote. Who was right? Was Paul right? Raise your hand. Was Barnabas right? Raise your hand. I see some are voting for Barney, some are voting for Paul. Do we have to take a vote? I've got a hunch that Luke is a bit more sympathetic to Paul because he says Paul and Silas go forward being commended by the church there and by the fact that he then follows Paul the rest of the book of Acts. I've got a feeling that Luke might be sympathetic with Paul. So if you say, well, Paul was right and Barnabas was wrong, then you might have Luke siding with you. But you know, if you say Barnabas was right in giving Mark a second chance, I'm not going to say you're wrong. Maybe it's important for us not to choose sides here. Maybe it's important for us not to say Paul was right and Barnabas was wrong or Barnabas was right and Paul was wrong. Perhaps we need to look at the result. Instead of one missionary team going out, you've got two missionary teams going out. Let's look at it that way. So instead of saying one was right and one was wrong, you know, folks, I don't know your situation here, and I'm not speaking. The Reverend Tobian did not get me in a in room and say, Now, Dr. Varner, this is what we need. Talk to them about this. Talk to them about that. You know, we got this problem. No, he didn't. He's not like that. So I don't know any inside information that I'm speaking to here so I can make everybody mad. Perhaps in the larger sovereign will of God, even the ugliness of a church split, and it can be ugly, can be used of God in for, to portray his sovereign purposes even though people have failed, even though ugliness has been seen. And again, I have no idea of anything that I'm speaking I'm just saying, maybe we need to trust the sovereign purpose of God that He takes even our failures, or He can take even our failures, because now you've got two missionary teams going out. Now, I want to. It's pretty hard to say that I disagree with Paul. Pretty hard. But I like my main man, Barnabas. Mark, come on, bro. We're giving you a second chance. Don't blow it this time. We're giving you a second chance. If I had people raise their hand right now who are thankful that God gave you a second chance, I think the majority would be raising their hand. true with me And I don't need to go into details there God gave me a second chance so thank you encouragement thank you for giving Mark a second chance you know what how the story ends both Paul and Peter are aware of Mark's eventual ministry and mention that. Peter mentions that Mark is with me. And Paul, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, almost one of the last things that Paul writes, says, bring with you Mark, for he's profitable to me for ministry. So it ended up that even Paul and Mark reconcile. It ended up that Mark had a ministry even though he blew it. I'm thankful for the encourager who encouraged a young man not to give up because of his failure but gave him a second chance. Now this is a Baptist church. I'm used to in the South people in the Baptist church say amen. I'm thankful that Mark was given a second chance by Barnabas. Aren't you, California Baptists? (laughs) On my pilgrimage to the holy city, I want Barnabas with me. When I cross over the river, I want Barnabas with me. Maybe God wants you. Not just to be an Apostle Paul. Maybe God wants you to be a Barnabas and encourage others. By your giving, by your sharing, by your encouraging them to follow the Lord by giving people a second chance. I wanted a Barnabas with me as I head off into the sunset because I want to be a Barnabas. I want to be an encouragement. Father, thank you for this fine congregation, what they're putting up with being out in the weather Listening to me and enduring me, I pray that this message will reach all of us. And in our specific way that we can, that will be an encouragement to others. We pray in the name of the Savior whom Barnabas loved.